Welcome back, people. Today on the show, we have Adam Dusso from Second Wind Consultants on. Second Wind Consultants is a consulting firm specializing in corporate turnaround and debt elimination. We talk with Adam about both of those things and also about the current stimulus package and what's available out there for small businesses. I hope you guys enjoy the show. If you know somebody that owns a small business, I suggest you forward this one along to them and have them listen up. Enjoy. All right. Well, we are here today with Adam Dussault. Is that how I pronounce it? Dussault? Is it, is it French? Okay. Yeah. It's like a, it's the cheap way of spelling the French name. That's All right. It. Cool. So Adam Dussault from Second Wind Consulting. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Want to jump into a lot of things, but obviously I think you are a probably a busy man these days. What are the probably most common questions that you're getting across your desk as we deal with the COVID-19 crisis? Well, uh, the biggest the biggest questions that are coming across is what is regarding what the SBA has just rolled out in the PPP program and the disaster loan program. Second Wind has worked with uh, the SBA on their other programs, their 7A 504 disaster loan programs uh, for the last 11 years. So uh, we specialize in helping small business owners get debt forgiveness from the SBA as well as their other creditors, which positions us as a unique resource for the community now that these new programs have rolled out. So uh, we've been getting a lot of questions. The first round of questions is how do I get access to this new information? How do I qualify? What are the timelines? What are the restrictions and all of that? So we've been spending a lot of time kind of clearing the air on those on those programs and helping people apply. Uh, and the second uh, wave of questions we're getting is, is how do we survive in this environment? How do right. we generate revenue? Is it worth continuing? How many people do we lay off and furlough? It's just like survival planning really this is the second wave. Once they realize and they get their applications in and there's nothing else that can be done, it's you got to focus on what business you have left. Right. And the third part is, is how do I, uh, how do I address my existing debt? So, you know, it's great. Everyone's able to defer payments for the most part for the next couple of months, but they also at some point in time have to get back to paying the debt that they already have. So it starts with how do I get access to the new, uh, new SBA programs? How do I make my business survive? If my business survives, how do I then handle my current debt obligations? And that arc of questioning is, is, is pretty common during this yeah. environment. What, so you said Second Wind was founded 11 years ago? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was April 1st of 2009. Uh, we existed as a startup known as Todron and Associates before that, um, but we, we really found our stride in 2009 and organized as, as Second Wind consultants and have been ever since. Wow. What's the, co what's the company made up of? Like uh, how many people are involved and what do you guys, what have you guys really specialized in just small business uh, con sure. consolidation or what's the general? So we are very specifically not debt consolidators. We often get, uh, get crossed with that brand of people. We are, uh, we are 30 people, 30 consultants. Um, and, uh, we have a few people that work remotely, so our team is a little bit larger than that, but we, we consist of roughly 30 consultants 
And what we are is we're transactional specialists. So uh, we focus on reorganizing businesses uh, in a way that, uh, that preserves the underlying value of the business and strips off all of the excess debt. So most businesses, when they find themselves uh, either over leveraged or in a distressed scenario, they really have uh, two options. They either find a way to pay their debts using their personal assets, um, or they file a bankruptcy. And more often than not, they file a bankruptcy. The problem with bankruptcy is for small businesses, it doesn't work. Um, uh, chapter 11 filings, 75% of them fail to get to a successful discharge. And it's because the business can't come up with a plan in chapter seven to satisfy its creditors. The way I put it is, is that if Blockbuster couldn't survive a chapter 11, a Main Street restaurant doesn't stand a chance. So those businesses that end up filing for an 11 that are small size businesses, they get converted into a chapter seven and are eventually liquidated. Could you give us a quick that, definition of a chapter 11 and chapter seven? Sure, chapter 11 is a reorganization plan. Any business that finds itself distressed can file for bankruptcy and stop all collection efforts. They then have to put forth a plan to the court to repay their creditors over five years. So bankruptcy works for a large company that has a balloon note that comes due. And if you stretch it out over five years, they can pay it, but they can't pay it all at once. That works. It's a great bankruptcy outcome. The bankruptcy court will force that creditor to take their money over time and the business survives. But for a small business that couldn't afford to pay its 15-year note as it originally agreed, they definitely can't come up with a plan where they can pay it five years. So they file for a bankruptcy, they pay their attorney a bunch of money, they put forth a plan to the court, it gets rejected by all of the creditors and they're converted into a chapter seven. A chapter seven is a liquidation. The trustee shuts the business down. It auctions off all the assets. Uh, all of the jobs are lost and all of the proceeds of that liquidation goes to pay off the creditors. After that, the business owner typically gets to walk away from all of their debt obligations, but they've lost their personal assets. They've lost their business assets and they get a free start after the fact. So our business was founded by a once practicing bankruptcy attorney who would file one chapter 11 petition after another and would watch them get converted into a chapter seven time and time again. So he thought to himself, there must be a better way than this for small business. And that's where Second Wind was born out of. And so what we do is we found a part of the Uniform Commercial Code, which is the law that um, governs the flow of goods and services between businesses. And we found uh, a transaction called the Article 9 of the Uniform Commercial Code. And we've repurposed that as a way to save businesses. So under Article 9, it allows somebody like myself to come in and take all the assets of a distressed business and sell them to another entity for their appraised value. And I send notice to subordinate creditors and after 10 days, all of their subordinate debt is stripped off. So this is like a bankruptcy proceeding, but what it doesn't require is, is that it doesn't require the bankruptcy courts and it doesn't require consent of all creditors. So I can just go to their first position creditor, their SBA creditor in most cases, pay them for whatever the underlying collateral is, and we don't have to shut down the business. We don't have to lose the jobs. You don't have to do any of those things. You can get a release from their first position creditor, 
strip off all of their other creditors and give the business a new chance in a new operating entity. And so, uh, sorry about that, guys. No uh, the uh, the uh, end result is, is that the business and the jobs and all of that are preserved as this ongoing sale. So, so who's going to buy, typically, who's going to buy these assets? Uh, we love it when it's current employees. So, uh, you know, you've, you've got somebody who has a vested interest in that business surviving. So whether it's a general manager, a CFO, an operation guy, somebody who is not part of the current operation or the current ownership, but would step up and have a financial incentive. In doing Oftentimes it's a group of employees that, put, that buy out their existing ownership. Hey, Adam, I think you keep uh, putting your like finger or something over the mic. Oh, is that better? Can you guys yeah, hear way that? better. Yeah, okay. that's, that's way better. So, so when you, so, so let's, so just backing up, you, you mentioned that you strip off the other creditors. Mm -hmm. So can you just expand on that a little bit? I mean, what is, what does that mean? I mean, so they're, they're still, they, they're still owed money, right? I mean, it's, so how do you, do you, so the way they, the way a lender secures themselves against a, uh, against a company is they file what's known as a UCC lien. Right. Uh, and the, per, the bank that files the first position in UCC lien is called the perfected security interest. We use their lien under Article 9 to strip off all the other UCC filings below them. So what we do is we give the subordinate creditors 10 days to either pay off the people who are in front of them, to which there's no financial incentive for them to do that, or understand that their UCC then gets removed. You're correct, the debt still exists. Yeah. I've now just liquidated the borrowing business. It legally doesn't exist anymore. And the only thing that remains would be the underlying personal guarantees of the previous business owner. And we stick with those people and help them settle those obligations over the course of the coming months. Um, out of their personal cash flow, they're able to earn from the new business. There is a consulting or employment agreements that gives them the capital to settle their outstanding personal guarantees. Okay. So rather than filing a uh, bankruptcy and having their business be liquidated and losing all of it and having to file a personal bankruptcy because now they don't have any income, we can preserve their personal income, preserve an ability for them to settle their personal guarantees and preserve the business. And if they stick with it and they want to re-enter the business down the line, they have that option to do it as well. So rather than the way, the analogy that we use is sometimes people get upside down on their home. You take out too much money on your property. When that happens, what the bank doesn't do is come and bulldoze the house. That doesn't make any sense. They short sell the house to somebody else so that you can pay down the amount of debt that is owed and you preserve the value of the collateral. We've applied that exact same short sale logic to ongoing concern businesses. There is no reason for a bank to shut down a business. Let's take a restaurant. A restaurant is tables, chairs, and a grill in the back. It's all it is. It's $27,000 worth of stuff under liquidation. Whereas if you keep that business open and operating, it's worth more than $27,000. And um, there's somebody that's actually willing to buy it because it's still operating and generating revenue. So a bank taking any other path other than trying to short sell the business is in no one's best interest. Again, this, we thought that there had to be a better way of doing it. 
business. So working with the first position creditor to get them more for their collateral than they would in that bankruptcy filing is also a way to allow somebody to avoid a personal bankruptcy and it can save jobs throughout the community. The best economic stimulus is not investing in creating a new job, it's investing in preserving one that already exists. So I think I'm starting to understand the process, or at least the concept, but the question I have is, at any point when people are working with you, do they no longer own their business? Yes. Okay, so who owns, who, who would own the business then? Who do they sell it to temporarily, or they always own it, you're just, working off that uh, primary lien holder, or not and, lien, but that primary debt on the business. As part of an Article 9, the buyer does have to be arm's length. So you can't be both the buyer and the seller. So if you're in a distressed situation and you're facing a bankruptcy anyway, you're likely going to lose ownership of your business. This does it in a controlled manner and you get to decide who ends up purchasing your business so that part of that can be that they hire you to run and manage it or be part of it or something of that nature. Right. So you may still contain, retain control of it, over it by being able to be its CEO or CFO or COO or whatever the title is, but you're no longer the shareholder of it while you're going through this process. Because you've had to sell it, right? You've, had to, you've had to liquidate it, but you're just not liquidating it to the bank. You're liquidating it maybe to me and I'm yep. going to own it and you might still run it. Yep. And if after you've settled your personal guarantees and you're on the other side of it, if you want to re-enter into the business at that point in time, you have to do it for consideration, but you, you're right. free to do whatever you would like. Right, right. Do you, find, do you find yourself setting up like almost like buyback agreements with the, with, the, with the purchasing party where after a certain time or a revenue trigger or something, there's an opportunity for a, for a selling party to buy it back? Is that, does that happen? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of times in employment agreements where there can be um, incentive, incentives. So like whether stock purchase incentives. If you're or... like the number one salesperson and you lead sales to X right. amount of millions of dollars, there might be an equity kicker in it for right. you, or an equity option or something of that nature that is contingent upon performance. Yeah. So like, yeah, there are, there is that. And I have helped many, many clients buy their businesses back on the other side of this, either over time or through financing or through sweat equity or through a variety of other vehicles. There are a lot of business owners that don't want to do that after they've been through this process. They'd rather be the CEO and let somebody else be the owner and, and continue on with the legacy of the company, but not have the burden of being the owner. And a lot of times it's also, it's kind of split the difference. They end up being in a joint partnership. So they'll buy a portion of the business back, but now they've got a partner that they didn't have before and they can kind of disperse the, uh, the, the, responsibilities of ownership across more than one person. So we see the entire spectrum of it, but the, the key of it is, is if we preserve the business, you have an opportunity to be employed by it, to earn out from it, to enter back into it, instead of it just, instead of the bank just coming in and bulldozing. Well, the big thing is it's still living, right? Yeah. It's still living and breathing, it's still a business. Um, so do you guys specialize in buy, finding buyers and in, in putting the, the deal together or? How do they go about finding buyers? Because I can see a lot of small businesses having a hard time marketing their, their business. Yeah, uh, well, I'll tell you, I mean, finding the initial buyer is, is typically just finding the person who's most financially incentivized by that business surviving. And there's, there's no matter what the small business is, there is that person within the organization. 
And then on top of that, if there isn't, if it's just a really micro small business, there is a number one competitor, a number one supplier. There's some strategic person related to that company to whom it, which it makes sense to reach out to them with this opportunity. And again, because we're doing these at short sale values, we're doing them at ex like these are, it's a great investment opportunity. I've sold, you know, I've seen people build out a restaurant for hundreds of thousands of dollars and I've sold it to their subsequent buyer for $50,000, you know, a tenth of what it took to build out that location. So it is also a really good investment opportunity for somebody to come in and buy an ongoing concern business for its rock rock bottom prices okay. so there's there's buyer's incentive there's seller incentive and it also maximizes the recovery to the bank so so for that it is always an obstacle that we overcome but it's it, it's ne it's very seldom uh that we can't find an interested party to, to take part in this what's the smallest company that works with it, that you've worked with how small of a business i oof, very small uh, I started learning 11 years ago on mom and pop main street businesses. I've done the self-employed landscaping companies, two guys in a truck and a lawnmower. I, you know, I mean, I've, it's been as very, very small. Uh, over time, we've adapted this to larger and larger business models. And we've represented people that do, you know, $100 million a year in revenue and have, you know, many, many employees. So it has scaled up, but we started doing this with like Main Street mom and pop businesses. I'd like, yeah, I'd like to um, see at what point you would recommend people go see. So let's say we have a, a gym business. All right, we opened it six months ago. Things are going good. But let's say, you know, this turns a corner, this COVID-19, business starts to decline and now we're losing a little bit of money every month. I mean, at what point we could, we could keep putting some money into it, but when would you say, hey, you guys should really come and sit down with Second Wind Consulting and uh, talk? Well, we like to help people whenever they feel that they're just, they need it to navigate towards profitability. Uh, when it comes to Article 9 type of reorganization, what we've been discussing, I would want you to contact us when you know default with your creditors is imminent. So yeah, we might make it through another month, we might make it through two, but we're not gonna make it through three. So if default is imminent, getting in front of this, this is an alternative to default in typical liquidation. So when you see the writing on the wall that based on revenue trends, we're gonna be out of cash to pay our, our, uh, our debt payments inside of 90 days, that's when you reach out to us so that by the time you are forced into default, you have all the components to this plan in place. We know how much the underlying assets are worth. We know who we're going to sell it to. We know who your first position creditor is and we're able to approach them with a, a liquidation plan that's in their best interest and your best interest. And how do, how do people pay you? How, what's, what's your rate or how do you get paid? So we do a flat fee. Uh, we know people can't afford to pay large retainers and hourly. It's just, it becomes too cumbersome for distressed small businesses. So what we do is we create a flat fee for the, surface, for the service that is dependent on the number of businesses we're representing and the number of creditors and settlements that we have to, to do as part of the job. 
that is that that flat fee is then spread out over the duration of time that we feel it's going to take to do the job, which in many cases is somewhere between six to 12 months. So therefore we're able to allow people to pay us an equal installments over the period of time in which we're doing the work for them. Um, the reorganization of the business typically takes only about three months, um, but then the personal guarantee settlements can take as long or longer, depending on how many of them there are. So if someone has 12 settlements, they're going to be with us for a while, picking those off one at a time. Someone who only has one or two might get it done in a couple of months. So um, the, uh, we stretch out those payments so that people can afford it in the cash flow of their personal cash flow and the cash flow of the business so that we're not asking them for large retainers that they can't afford at their, their weakest point. Are you also doing business coaching, looking at their revenue and comparing it to their fixed, fixed costs, their overhead and inventory costs and all these things? Are you guys taking a, that type of consultative approach as well? Yeah, when people come to us um, preemptively, we try to actually do turnaround work to avoid liquidation. So we can do that if people come to us uh, early enough. We do also offer that type of service for all of these new entities that are created for these purchases, because on the other side of it, they have a fresh start. And what they can't afford to do is repeat the same mistakes that the last iteration of their business made. So we do a lot of financial consulting and modeling to keep them in line with KPIs for their best practice, like, you know, payroll percentages, advertising percent, you know, making sure that they're spending their cash flow and resources in areas that's going to maximize their return. We unfortunately do not have the staff to do on-site management consulting all across the country and do the market research that would maybe need to be done in each of the local markets. But we do provide financial coaching to keep people kind of on the rails for best practices. And now you just said across the country, are you, so you guys are working with people all over. It's not just Pioneer Valley or this greater Springfield area. You're working with companies all across the country? Yeah, actually, we have very few clients in our backyard. We, we work all over the country. Uh, we're lucky to live in a pretty affluent area, so distress is not as popular in our neighborhoods as it is in certain other pockets of the country. Um, we, we work all over the country. What are a couple tips that you see a lot of people, you see a lot of people making mistakes, small business owners that you could give them that could go a long way? Um, could you give us any examples of just things that you see repetitively where people are, you know, doing it wrong or if they just, you know, paid a little bit more attention to this, they could avoid, you know, liquidation or working with second wind? Yeah. Um, I am an outspoken critic of a type of lending called the merchant cash advance, um, which is a type of lending product that is made so that it can be super easy for small businesses to get access to capital, but 90% of them can't afford it. So it's even when you log into QuickBooks, you say you need 20 grand now, there's like a little banner ad and you can click an ad and 24 hours later, you got 20 grand in your bank account, but people don't understand the cost of capital. So if I can give any piece of advice, if you're going to borrow money, understand the cost of capital of the money that you are borrowing. 
If you are borrowing from a merchant cash advance lender that is charging you 30% interest over a 90 day period, your company has to be growing pretty much double month over month in order to be able to sustain those payments. So I understand the need to have cash flow relief can make it very tempting to just push that button and say to yourself, we'll figure it out on the other side of it. But this is really an arithmetic calculation. If you're not growing your revenue by the amount of the cost of your cost of capital or greater, you're in a debt spiral. You just pushed a button and put yourself in a debt spiral. Soon enough, you're going to need another one of those loans to cover the one that you have. And now you have two of them. And the cycle just repeats itself over and over and over. So do predatory lending laws not apply as much to small business owners? Like, is it, you know, can they be, can there be more gouging going on and with rates um, to small business owners compared to personal? Yes. Um, can, commercial debt is not covered under the Fair Debt Collection Act. So you, they skirt all of those laws and merchant cash advances do not issue loans. They issue advances. There's not accrued interest rate over time. So I'm going to lend you a hundred grand. You agree to pay me $150,000 back. It's a factor rate. It is not a it's not that this accrues over time. It's not if you pay me off early, you save on principle. It is, I lent you $100,000. One second later, you owe me $150,000 back. And because of that, they're not a loan, so they're not regulated. They can charge any interest rate, that, the effective interest rate that they want. I've seen them north of 100%. Wow. Um, and, it, and they come with a confession of judgment, which means that they don't even have to sue you to get legal rights to come after all of your collateral. It, um, it, it's, it's predatory. Now, there Does are- Does your last name typically end in a vowel? What's that? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, and they all come out of New Jersey. And, uh, they all know me by name. Um, and, uh, we don't like each other. And it just is what it is. I, I, I acknowledge the need for small businesses to get access to capital. And if your business is exploding, using this type of bridge financing is great. It's great. Who cares if you're paying 30% interest, if you're growing 100% month over month? You have to get access to capital. You've got to grow your business. You've got to take advantage of the opportunity in front of you. Merchant cash advances never help struggling businesses. It's never happened. There's not a single case ever where an uh, MCA creditor helped a struggling small business. That but is, even if even if you're uh, if, even if you're growing as much like you just ex you know that example you just gave. I mean, why wouldn't a growing, profitable, good business just go out and work with a reputable lender to get a good credit line or set up just you know creative financing through a good bank? I mean, isn't like why it's why would they use it there? Like I know a guy who just recently got a government contract for a trucking company that he needs to start next Wednesday. So is Florence Savings Bank right. going to give him a line of credit by next Wednesday? No. He right. needs the capital to pay his drivers by next Wednesday. Right. Now, 90 days later, when Florence Savings is ready to take them out, yeah, he should work on that, but he should take that merchant cash advance now and get his line of credit later because his business is exploding. Right. There's always room for bridge financing. It's always been a part of business in, in the business world and it'll never go away. But when it becomes the main source of financing for small businesses, it becomes an epidemic. It becomes addictive. Yep. 
Yeah. Is there any large banks that you could throw under the bus that are, you know, just taking advantage of this, what do you call it, MCA, merchant cash advances? So is Bank of America doing this? Do they have a department, um, you know? Celtic Bank does. Um, so I'll throw them happily under the bus. Uh, <laughs> that being said, I mean, it's, it's kind of scary. These are not banks. It, honestly, by the end of this call, if we wanted to start an MCA company, the three of us could do it. There's no regulation. All we needed is a legal entity and a bank account. In cash, right. The, and the three of us could be an MCA lender. So Matt, in, Matt and Adam Lending. I mean, we, if we could, we could do it by the end of this call. There's no regulation. There's no bank charter. There's no FDIC. There's nothing. Could be ex exotic, exotic lending. Exotic <laughs> lending. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Um, and on the, the crazier part of things is that like we have a lot of relationships with banks because we started doing SBA work before we started doing MCA work. And so no, banks are not doing this, but they are lending money to these companies. So Chase is backing some of these companies who are then just marking up their, the money right. they're borrowing and passing it along to small businesses. <clears throat> Yeah. which is terrifying. It sounds an awful lot like the last financial crisis where we're pumping money from banks into portfolios with credit ratings that are marked up because everyone wants to believe they're solvent. There's not an MCA portfolio on planet Earth that's worth more than 10 cents on the dollar. It just doesn't exist. <laughs> but we're lending, you know, our banks, which are using our money, are lending to these people at 80 cents on the dollar. We're all upside down on this venture. Yeah. So Adam, say, say you had a small business that did 200,000 in revenue to 2 million, 5 million in revenue. What, and you lived in the Valley here. What bank would you go to? What, Greenfield. Greenfield Savings Bank. That was a fast answer. What, that I mean, was a fast answer. <laughs> why, why, that, why, why Greenfield Savings? I happen to like Greenfield Savings a lot too, but. I like Look, a lot of actually, banks. So. We've got a lot of good banks. I mean, when this yeah. crisis hit, uh, Florence Savings, Greenfield Savings, those guys immediately deferred requests. All you yep. had to do was ask. They were there for the community. The reason I say Greenfield Savings is in light of what's happening, these people are working seven days a week from their home to be the leader in getting this SBA PPP money on the street. They are the only local bank that opened their doors to people, whether or not they previously banked with them. They created their own online application. They were the first one in the area to create their own online application without offloading it to a third party. Um, they're all over Facebook, talking to people on the community, answering their questions. Um, I would have had a harder time answering that question, but the last two weeks has made it crystal clear to me that they're the best bank that we have in this community. And what, really cool. what insurance company would you recommend? Okay. No comment. No. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I, 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 um, so I, I, do you know Tara Brewster pretty well? Yeah. She's been kind of a, the Facebook warrior. She's yeah. her and I have been, 
circling the same community answering as many questions as we can so yeah. i don't know her that well from prior to this what has happened in the past few weeks but uh, i have i have come to know her through this the, the recent events yeah tara tara just you know for our listeners is uh i think the vp of business development at greenfield savings and she's just a stalwart in the community and she does a really good job and uh so shout out to to Terry and to Greenfield. I do think, you know, I do think we are lucky in the Valley that we have a lot of really good local banks um, in general, you know, even outside of the crisis, I just think we're, we're lucky to have a lot of really good mutuals and a, a lot of really good just banks that partner with local companies to try and help them grow. So I think we're, uh, we're, we're lucky in that, in that vein. Yeah, we're, we're one of the communities that like we don't have an adversarial relationship with our banks. They are right. here to help. And I, from working across the country, I can tell you that that's that's actually pretty unique. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and even the the banking community, they all get along really well. I mean, like in terms of banks working with other banks, whether if somebody needs, you know, a partner bank because a loan is too big, or I, I've just seen with my clients, you know. The banks are great, and uh, and we're lucky to have that in our area. Um, yeah, and I've been saying this online too. Like everyone's frustrated that you know relief didn't instantly get onto the street, but these banks were basically told ten days ago, uh, your business model just changed. You went from right. making money on fees and loans to now you issue disaster relief funds, and here's a five-page document on how to do it. You have till Friday to figure it out. Right. And that was it. That's the only guidance they really got from the SBA. So this this is a small business as well. A bank is a small business. And now they are actively avoiding pursuing things in their own best interest to be able to issue 1% interest loans to the entire community. That could be forgivable, right? What's that? Yeah, that, and forgivable. Yes. Could, but it, I think isn't the issue that it could be forgivable, right? it might not be forgivable. And now you have an uncollateralized loan, right? I mean, is that, is that accurate? I mean, is that part of the skepticism of some of these banks putting the money out there? Well, no, I mean, skepticism was not just not knowing how to do it. So okay. the way it works is the SBA guarantees the loan. So okay. if Greenfield Savings Bank gives your business a $100,000 loan and you never make a payment, they can go to the SBA and get all of their money back. Got it. Okay. Um, so it really doesn't matter that it's not collateralized. It doesn't matter that it's not collateralized, but it is up to the, the, the owner to see whether or not they qualify from debt forgiveness from the SBA, because either way, the bank's going to be made whole by the SBA. Got it. Okay. Um, so the banks are not going to lose out for the debt forgiveness portion of this. Luckily, they were not asked to shoulder that burden, or we'd be seeing a lot of, business, a lot of banks shut down in our communities, and we can't afford to have that happen. But what they are foregoing is, are they writing a lot of mortgages and home equity lines and lines of credit and business loans or credit cards? I mean, no, they have an endless line of people that want 1% loans from the government. That's it. It's an endless line of, of people that for a product that makes them no money. And right. nobody in the line that makes them any money whatsoever. <laughs> so they uh, basically, our local banks have turned into nonprofits for the foreseeable future. And um, they've done a great job so far. Long way to go, but they've done a great job. Are you seeing money actually hitting the streets? Because I, I've, um, again, I know of a lot of my clients that have applied for it, but have not been funded yet. Um, I know that there have been 
businesses in Massachusetts that were funded this past week. I haven't heard of anybody in Northampton, but I have heard of a few that have received their approval letter, which probably means that they will be funded next week. Yep. So um, I, we have turned a corner, getting those approval numbers and loan numbers issued means that like people, like the bottleneck is starting to, to, to come to apart. To free up, yep. And we're recording this on the 10th, April 10th, for people listening, um, so so we so we were able to apply a week ago. I mean, basically, this opened up a week ago. Yeah, yeah. The I hear fact that we were they were able to pass a three hundred and fifty billion dollars stimulus package for small business. You were able to apply a week ago, and approvals of money are hitting the street. It's a our government has never done any anything of this size ever. Um, and I don't have a lot of good things to say about our, our federal government, and uh, I'll leave it at that. But like they, this was a Herculean effort, and the fact that it is even hit the street as quickly as it did, um, it's one thing I can point to in the last three years that is like it's worthy of a sticker. <laughs> is, is, is that why you're wearing a, a Trump t-shirt? <laughs> no, <it's not> Trump. <laughs> this right here is a t-shirt from one of my clients. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so no, nobody is going to see this, so that they will either believe me or you. <laughs> uh, so, do the second wind do free consultations? Yes, as uh, we do free consultations for everybody nationwide and for the COVID-19 crisis, uh, we're actually, we're trying to be as proactive as possible to make sure as many people in our community don't need to be our clients. And our effort to, towards doing that is giving everybody in Hampshire, Hamden, and Franklin counties up to 15 hours of free consulting advice to help us navigate getting them access to these funds creating cash flow plans to avoid insolvency. We acknowledge we will probably have to represent a few of these businesses on the other side of this, but we would like to be able to count those on one hand uh, if, if we could, and, and that's the goal of all of this. On a national basis, our business is probably going to grow from the, the downslide of this, just due to the nature of the services that we provide, but we don't really have any intent on making any profit off of our community in, in doing this. So we are offering 15 hours of free consulting services in the effort of trying to mitigate as many people who are, will need our services when business resumes. That's awesome. Great. Well, we can wrap it up there if, unless uh, Matt Exotic has anything else. No, I just, um, you know, again, I just want to shout out to you guys that, it, you know, that, that, that consulting can be invaluable to a small business, especially now. So I think that's, you know, really admirable of you guys to do that. And I'll, you know, I'll say thank you on behalf of our community for doing that. Um, you know, I know you guys do great work in general. So, um, so thank you. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you, you guys having come on board here. And uh, if, for all of those people who are listening, um, call us, contact us if you need help. We will, we will respond. I've been getting back to everybody so far in a 24-hour timeline. Um, but this even means independent contractors, self-employed people, you are all covered under this as part of the small business community. So uh, if you have any questions, um, contact us. 
Thanks, thanks, Adam. And on the other side of this, when we open up the gym, you got a free month for for coming on. So yeah, hope to see you in the Don't gym. Don't tell my wife that. I'll have to like. You get the free month as well. So <laughs> yeah, you guys both get the free month. Um, and uh, we hope to see you guys there. Hopefully, we'll be back open soon, right? Right, great. Right. I mean, the weather's getting nice. Um, I, I'm really hoping we can all get out and enjoy it together. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. And that concludes the show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. We would appreciate that. If you guys know of anybody doing something special in the Pioneer Valley, reach out. Matt at evictioncrossfit.com. We want to talk to them. We want to have them on the show. Have a good day, guys.